Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. The Winter Olympics in Beijing are set to kick off next week with Canadian athletes looking to match their medal haul from South Korea in 2018. But what goes into making an Olympian? A lot of training and a lot of money. I'm Dave Breckenridge and this is 10-3. Postmedia national sports writer Dan Barnes joins me to discuss how Canada's Olympians are funded, how successful the On the Podium program has been, and how we're expected to fare at these games. Don't forget you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, or even on Amazon Music now. I'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about us. So Dan, as the Winter Olympic Games in Beijing creep ever closer, we know that our athletes have spent the last four years in preparation for this event. Obviously, that preparation comes at quite a significant cost. So I'm curious, how do our Olympic athletes fund their training? Well, much of it comes through the various national sport organizations that they represent. So pick a bobsledder or a freestyle skier. If they're going to a bunch of World Cups throughout the season and they're always, you know, October through end of January in an Olympic year, those trips and the training sessions in the Swiss Alps or the Italian Dolomites that precede some of those competitions would all be paid for by whoever it is, Freestyle Ski Canada, Alpine Canada, Bobsleigh Canada, Skeleton, those kinds of organizations who send their national team members all over the world every year. So they do that. The athletes also fund their own lodging at home and their own meals at home Mm -hmm. through what's called a Sport Canada Athlete Assistance Carding. And it amounts, if you're a senior athlete, so you're the kind of athlete who will go to Olympics and World Championships. You get $1,765 a month, and it's called carding money. And you have to meet certain requirements. Eligibility through uh, being on the national team is usually the good one. That'll get you the money right away. So it's about 21000 bucks a year. The athletes certainly use it for rent or mortgage or and food, that sort of thing. That's how they live day to day. There's also sponsorships, you know, some and not many, but some winter sport athletes who are not hockey players (laughs) are able to secure sponsorships. You know, like a guy like Mick Kingsbury, who wins the moguls competition in his sleep most years, would be a guy who has enough of a name, certainly in Quebec and mostly in Canada, that he would draw some corporate sponsorship. And there are some skiers, snowboarders. They are basically their own best contracting PR firms Mm -hmm. and they'll go and get, you know, Red Bull sponsorships and things like that. And it amounts to fairly significant money. So there are a few avenues, but these guys are not getting rich. How much money does it take to get, you know, Team Canada to the Olympics in terms of the years of preparation and training and all of that? Are we talking millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions? In the winter games, we're talking money through on the podium. So the money originates, it's all taxpayer money. Well, most of it anyway, Mm -hmm. originates with Sport Canada and Sport Canada counts on own the podium to make funding recommendations 
So that's how the money goes. It starts with Sport Canada. It funnels through on the podium to the national sport organizations. So for the four years leading up to the Sochi 2014 Olympics, there was $82 million. In the Beijing quad, it's now $88 million. And summer sport has a lot more than that because there's a lot more sports. Yeah. So for Tokyo, and the quad became a five-year span, of course, it became $167 million. The London quad was $106 million. OTP makes these funding recommendations based solely on the ability or the potential of each national sport organization to produce medal winners for either the current games or subsequent games. So they OTP will fund next gen or whatever they want to call it, athletes who cannot possibly make it to the podium in Beijing, but might do so four years from now. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's part of their funding recommendations as well. But yeah, the money flows from Sport Canada, and that's how Olympic teams basically get to wherever they're going. When it comes to you know picking these next-gen athletes or people who may medal, not at this Olympics necessarily, but the next Olympics, how are they deciding? Is it the national sport organization for, say, bobsled coming to on the podium and saying, you know, we have these athletes who are doing really well, we would love some funding from On the Podium, or is it On the Podium monitoring how Canada's doing in particular sports? Like, how is that calculus made? Yeah, On the Podium has sport experts, technical experts, and they will provide technical expertise to each one of those national sport organizations, and they do indeed monitor what's going on throughout the world and throughout Canadian sport. So they are on top of it, but there's give and take, right? And After every Olympics, and I don't know about world championships, but certainly after every Olympics, there's a debrief. And so OTP's technical experts for bobsleigh and figure skating and all those things, they speak to their respective national sport organizations to get a sense of how it went, whether expectations were met or not, and what the next expectation is for four years down the road. There's always a conversation ongoing. And that helps define who the next-gen athletes are. And it certainly helps define how much money is going to flow to that organization in the next quad. Now, looking at Canada, and I know that the Own the Podium initiative is relatively new, and it was a big push to own the podium, as, as it were, at the Vancouver Games. But how does Canada compare to other countries in terms of funding? And not necessarily like the U.S. and China and countries like that with buckets and buckets of money, but you know, even comparable countries in size, a place like Australia, per se? Well, the best example I can give you is Norway, actually. And it's Norway's only got 5.4 million people. And Norway will once again win more medals than any other country in Beijing. They're probably going to win somewhere around 42, maybe 45, according to some estimates. Canada will be right around 23 to 25 to 27 to whatever. So, How does Norway do it? They don't do it by spending more money than everybody else. Norway, by and large, spends less money than Canada on every sport except biathlon and cross-country. And that's where they win most of their medals. So they also target specific athletes and specific sports, but their approach is tied up in their society. And they seem to be able to generate generations as it were, of these really good athletes. Mm -hmm. There's all kinds of reasons why incorporated into that is the fact that 
cross-country skiing is their national sport. So they're as good at that as Canadians are at hockey. So that's a decent place to start. It just so happens that in Nordic sport, there's four sports in the umbrella of Nordic sport, cross-country, biathlon, ski jumping, and Nordic combined. There's 93 medals available at every games. Wow. And they win buckets of them. So they don't have to spend a ton of money. I believe Australia probably outspends Canada, certainly on the summer sports side, mm-hmm. obviously not on the winter sports <laughs> side. Yeah. But I, you know what? There's going to be a few uh, Australians on the podium in Beijing too. Yeah. But Canada, I don't think it's a question of spending enough or too much. I think they found a, the way to justify it is to spend where the metal potential is. That is the mandate of OTP. That is what they are there for in addition to providing technical expertise. And they also fund the Canadian Sport Institutes. There's one in Calgary. And at that place, an athlete at an elite level can access physio and psychology, nutrition specialists. They can get a doctor through there. They can get coaching through there. It's a one-stop shop for the well-being of an athlete. And it's also a, a place where they do a lot of sports science and sport nutrition and sport medicine. So OTP has a hand in that. So the money, I think, is well spent. I think there's enough, certainly. I mean, when you look at $167 million going towards summer sport through the five years of preparation for Tokyo, which obviously was weird, but I don't know. I mean, should you spend more than that? I don't think so. We'll be right back. Looking at Own the Podium itself, in the time that that program has been in existence, would it be considered a success? Has Canada performed to the level that we'd hope to see with that kind of investment? Oh, I think so. I, 29 medals in Pyeongchang. You know, that's a pretty big deal for Canada because I go way back. <laughs> I go way back <laughs> to the Calgary Olympics in 88. Yeah. They didn't win a gold medal. It was, what was it, five medals? I can't even remember, actually. Mm-hmm. It was pretty low, yeah. Yeah, it was it was just a tad embarrassing. But at that point, there was no real investment in sport in this country, in Olympic sport, right? It wasn't on this grand a scale. It certainly wasn't as organized. I remember I covered biathlon and cross-country out in Canmore, and the biathlon team was short-staffed. It had no money for training. They could barely get themselves to Europe for any World Cups. Their equipment was not antiquated, but it certainly wasn't on the scale of the Norwegians and Soviets at that time. And the Germans, they were just cleaning up and Canada didn't have a prayer. We just couldn't compete in those sports. You know, the same was true in a lot of sports. But in the intervening, yikes, 34 (laughs) years, that's a long time. Anyway, Canada has come a long way and it's a major player on the Olympic winter sports scene. I cannot see that changing. It's only going to get more intense because there's a definite push. Mm-hmm. You know, and the funding, even through the pandemic, has been there. The funding partners for Own the Podium and Sport Canada have stepped up because there are some corporate sponsors. They've stayed with it. Sport Canada is obviously the biggest funnel, and that's taxpayer money. And you can argue, if you like, is it worth it? There's a whole generation of athletes who will tell you it is worth it. I'm sure there's critics who say, stop spending money on stuff like that. But there you go. Now, looking specifically at the Beijing Quad, half of it has been during a pandemic. The two years of the lead up to these games have happened under COVID-19. 
has that affected training that's been available to athletes, funding that's been available to athletes? What is the COVID shadow looming here over these games? Well, the COVID shadow has become, it's basically the first Olympic event. Because if <laughs> COVID gets you, you don't go to the Olympics. Yeah. If you test positive now, and especially in the last week, forget it. You're not going. They won't let you in the country. So you have to win that first event by thinking positive and testing negative, as they like to say. And once you get there, then hopefully you stay safe in the closed loop system that they're establishing. But has it changed everything? Yeah, it's basically changed everything because all kinds of competitions were canceled. And then the ones that did go ahead, some of them had sparse attendance because somebody in North America doesn't necessarily want to take the chance of traveling to Europe Mm -hmm. and vice versa. Certainly that I think of bobsled and, and there were supposed to be some world cups in North America that got canceled. And every other week it looked like they were competing in either Winterberg or Altenburg, Germany. And it's like the Germans need another advantage in bobsled. Not so much, but things like that happened. And quite often, North American athletes were put at a disadvantage because winter sport is incredibly European centric. So there's been limitations on how much training you could do, how much competing you could do in in the run up. And even when you got there, what the level of competition was like, because the full fields were not always there. So adjustments have been made. And even now, I think the biathlon team for Canada believe they're somewhere in Italy. I believe the cross-country team was going to depart for Beijing from an altitude camp they were having in Vernon, BC. So you've got some athletes are over there. I know there's alpine skiers, I think, in Austria today. And some teams have come home. Some teams have not. The long track speed skaters, their World Cup season has been over for a month. So they've been bubbling wherever they live, whether it's Montreal or uh, Calgary in many cases. And they've trained as very small groups and they've tried to stay out of the way of COVID. Mm -hmm. But it comes to get you. It happens. I talked to a short tracker named Pascal Dion, who uh, won four medals on the World Cup this year. It was a bit of a surprise. Not as big a surprise as getting COVID again, which he did in December. He's already had it once. He got him again, and he's been double-vaxxed. So <laughs> he, he thinks he's okay. He said, double-vaxxed and double-COVID, I should be good to go. Yeah, That's the bigger impact of COVID. It lurks out there for these guys, and if they get it now, all that training that they've done, however it's been impacted, will be impacted even worse. Obviously, as you mentioned earlier, Canada is expected to do fairly well, not as well as the Norwegians. I imagine China is making a big push where they may not have in winter sports previously hosting these games. I'm just curious, you know, looking at everything over the last couple of years and then looking ahead to these games and presuming that they can get all get their healthy How well are we expected to fare? And could it all be kind of blown up by the fact that COVID could throw a wrench in everything? Oh, yeah, absolutely. COVID could uh, still win these games, absolutely. Canada will do well if everybody stays away from COVID. I notice that at games, I, I think there's something to be said for team momentum. And if the team wins some medals early, it seems to affect the mood and positivity and You know, I don't know what that's supposed to be worth on game day, but maybe it is worth something. And there's going to be chances for Canada to win, I don't know, two, four, maybe six medals in the first three days. And if those come through, 
and they're mostly long and short track speed skating. Mm-hmm. If that kind of thing happens, then you could see the team get on a roll and I could see 29 medals again. Grace Note, this company, it's based in the States. It uses a proprietary algorithm to chart podium finishes based on current World Cup and past world championships and past Olympic Games. They see Canada with 23. One more than the United States, by the way. They've got Norway with 45, or I think it's 46 even now. And Germany will be up there. And Russia, I think they have Russia finishing second. Okay. So Canada will be in the mix. Canada will certainly not win the medals table. But I could see them doing just as well as they did in Pyeongchang, provided a few fence sitters fall off and land on the podium. And that's entirely possible. They've got all kinds of potential, especially in the skating sports. Well, I know we'll all be watching closely to, you know, sleep deprivation and time changes and all of that, but we'll see how they fare. Dan, thanks for your time. Absolutely. You bet. See ya. 10-3 is produced by Sean Knox. Theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, Dan Barnes. More from him at torontosun.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.